This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Okay, good evening everyone. Thank you for coming. Um, I want to open up the shit tonight saying that tonight my shir is my opinion and um, on a lot of different things I'm going to speak about and I have a right to an opinion. Every person has a right to an opinion. So after the shir, all those who are like, like who is he to say that? Everyone has the right to opinion, especially today. You got bloggers with an IQ. They have an IQ of 40 or 30. I don't know what their IQs are. Right? Everyone can be a blogger. Everyone can be in a chat room. So, um, right, Watson's also allowed to have an opinion. Not everyone has to agree with what I'm going to say tonight. That's fine. You can have your opinion. My opinion is based on 38 years in Chinuch. So, a little small part of 38 years teaching kids. So, um, I think those are the credentials. I'm not a therapist. I don't have smicha. Um, so I'm not going rabbi and I'm not going therapist but uh, my whole life is dealing with kids when it comes to talking about kids um, I think 38 years is like some type of credential so I, I'm not saying that I'm right but after 38 years you definitely have a right to have an opinion when it comes to when it comes to the chinuch of children before we, t- we talk about the chinuch I just want to tell you that I'm, I spoke last week a little bit about it Baruch Hashem Baruch Hashem uh, the rehab is ours. The the um, the horses are coming up next week. We're very very excited. Um, I want to read you an email that I got this week from some. Well, actually, uh, my partner got it this week, and um, this is just someone who heard the share and wrote to us. And he wrote the following: When I was younger and married, we had a cattle ranch. Oh, I got to meet this guy, and also raised. A Palooza's. A Palooza's is a certain type of horse. Usually, I think they have brown and white, whatever. Big horse. I had a niece who was rebelling at the age 12, and she was sent to me for a summer. We gave her chores and a horse to care for and to ride daily, to exercise him, but mostly to bond with. She was a handful for a week or two, but eventually fell in love with the routine and began helping in the kitchen and loving the ranch. She is now a happily married young woman with children of her own and never went off the derech, which her parents feared. Routine, which is what I'm going to talk about tonight. Routine, structure, not doing whatever you want whenever you want to, and getting whatever you want whenever you want to. Routine, the way Hashem created us. Routine, horses, and with girls therapy will be very good. Thank you for doing this project. Hashem bless all of you who have taken this on. So, Baruch Hashem, we've taken it on. We hope to be open in September. We only have to raise $2 million from now to September. It shouldn't be a problem. Just, you know, to take care of everything. And all those who want to help us, um, send your check to Ornava Ranch at, um, where are we? 1276 50th Street, Brooklyn, New York, 11219. 1276 50th Street, Brooklyn, New York, 1129, Ornava Ranch. Mitzvah Hashem, we're going to get dedications. Uh, we're actually going to have some kind of grand opening. I think it's uh, Sunday, July 30th. We're going to do dedications. The ranch will have a name. The horses will have a name. All the rooms will have a name. Everything's going to have a name. We have Bakshan. We hired this from guy who's a farmer. So we're going to we're going to plant our own vegetables. We're going to eat our own. Very homopathic. Goats, chickens, horses, dogs. Seriously, a lot of a lot of healthy relationships. So that's that's the way we're going, and then of course a lot of uh, school and 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 therapy, huh? 
Yeah, there, there, there are these, um, well, I, I have no problem with dogs, but some of my partners do, but there are these, um, I saw them in many places that I went, therapeutic little dogs, labs, baby labs, and, 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 and there, there were girls that would not talk to me unless they were holding that therapeutic dog. So somebody just called us, she's willing to donate us a therapeutic cat. I'm like, well, I don't know if the therapeutic dogs and the therapeutic cats are going to be very therapeutic. So we'll see. But uh, we're very, very excited. It's, it's a big thing. It's, it's a, it's a, my Rebbe calls it an R.A. Miklot, but it's the first time. It's the beginning of something amazing. Uh, 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 a inpatient, therapeutic boarding school for Jewish girls. Never happened before. So we, we, we probably going to need a couple more of them because there's a lot of kids out there. And we're definitely going to need some for 18 and over, which is a whole different situation. So, uh, it's Hashem, it's Hashem, we're gonna, you know, again, someone told me, like, I hope, I hope you, I hope you, hope you, I hope you won't need this for long. I'm like, Mashiach comes, we won't need it for long. If he's not coming, boy, we need, we need it, we need it now. Anyway, so, what, why, why, why do you think girls do so well with horses? I have a spiritual DNA theory. After the whole Kriyas Yamsuf, Right, Moshe Beno says a whole Adyashir. And the g- women come out, right, with Miriam leading them, and what does she say? Her whole Shiri is a horse and its rider, right, were drowned in the ocean. So her whole Shiri was about a horse and a rider. So it must be in the spiritual DNA of women, women a horse and a rider. So when, you, when the woman becomes a rider on the horse, it fixes everything. Brilliant. Why'd she say that? Do you know why she said that? Of all the things, Hashem Yishmochama Hashem Shemo. She should have said, Hashem's a warrior. There was like so many things to say from Oz Yashir. Why didn't she pick? You know why she picked that passage? Amazing reason. Because the woman, and please women who are listening to this, I don't mean this literally, but the woman in the marriage is considered the horse. She carries the rider. What do I mean by that? She's the Ikeras Abayas. She carries the whole family. She's the, she's the foundation. When you shoot the horse in war, you kill the horse, the horse goes down and the rider goes down. When you shoot the rider, the horse keeps going. So what she was saying is that the women of Klai Yisrael, you can't lose your Yiddishkeit. You can't because if you go down, if you don't keep what you're supposed to, if you don't keep Sniyot, and you don't keep Shabbos, and, and you're not religious, and you don't have this special relationship with Hashem, then the rider is going to go down with you. If the woman, the wife and the mother goes down and she goes off to Derech, the whole family collapses. If the father goes off to Derech, the whole family can still, can still make it. And it's true, I see with this whole, we'll talk about a little bit about that, Yemach Shemam Zichram. His footsteps, what they're doing to Klai Yisrael, Erev Rav. I'll tell you about unbeliever of Chaim Vital about footsteps. Um, there's this group that um, they're all over the place and they preach um, to Jewish people that there's no God, atheism, and that, you know, Chazer and Yom Kippur, eating Chazer and Yom Kippur, and women, you can do whatever you want. Totally Erev Rav. It's what the Erev Rav did to Klai Yisrael and the whole Chumash. Wherever we went, why'd you take us out of Mitzrayim? Why are you killing us, Moshe Benu? You're a murderer. Where's Hashem? Let's go back to Mitzrayim. We remember the fish. It was all these guys. It was 
it was the Erev Rav. Their name is Footsteps and their name is Erev Rav. They're probably the same Gematria. If, if, if you spell pay foot, I don't know when you guys want to do this once. Pay foot, you know, pay well, that steps, right? And you probably have the same gematria. Mamish did the Erev Rav. And I see many, this week alone, a lot of, a lot of women came to talk to me because their husbands are not keeping Shabbos, whatever, they're gone, they're done. They just secretly, they don't keep anything, they eat tray for everything, and they're in footsteps. And, and the wife's like, but I'm not, I'm not losing my kids, so should I get divorced? How do I do this? What do I do? Well, I had a lot of meetings this week about it, right? So, so like, she's not going down. He, he went off to Derek. He wants, he wants to act like an animal and, and act like a behemoth and be whatever he wants to be. Fine. She said, but my kids are not. I'm not, I'm, if I have to step away from this whole marriage, I'll step, whatever. I'm not going down. Because if the husband goes down and he, and he goes off to Derek, the wife doesn't go off to Derek. If the wife goes off to Derek, forget it. He wants the whole thing. The family goes down. So Miriam, when she came out of the yam, she said, Susfarach by Ramamayam. We're the, we're the Rachbay. If the horse goes down, she was talking to all the other women. That's the Shira of a woman. The Shira of a woman is that she carries the family. That is the Shira. That's why she picked that Pasa. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like a little spiritual DNA that horses and girls, it's just, it's unbelievable. I, I've seen mamish girls that were gone. They were, there was nothing there. It was like a dead person. And three months into, in, into deal, working with horses, they're like, Hey, Ray Walton, you want to go on a horse? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, since when you start talking, you want to feed the horse? Look, I can put my hand in his mouth. He doesn't bite. I'm like, this is the same girl that, like, didn't make eye contact with me, like, didn't talk to me. She's putting her hand in his mouth, like, hello, right? And petting him. And yeah, I'm like, okay. I have to get used to that. I'm not ready for that yet, but whatever. Right? So it's like, it's, it's like, it's amazing. So I'm, I can't tell you, I wake up every morning so crazy excited. I could get into my car, I could drive up and look at this place. It's not, it's in the mountains, it's not that far away. So, Mitzvah Hashem, we're gonna have a grand opening, you guys will come, you'll see it, we'll put you on a horse, you do the jumps, we have the jumps, we have the indoor arena. So you could jump, you could fly over the top, you know, with your helmet, you could end up in the mud, we'll pick you up, will you brave guys, right? Anyway, so it's, 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 it's just exciting. We have, we, we hired our therapist, we just start hiring our therapist and our teacher, it's just, wow. It's wow, what should I tell you? Hashem is, Hashem is amazing. Anyway, but being that this is a boy's year, and being that it's the summer, one of the things that we need, to, the first thing we need to open up in our shear is something called Shmir Sinayim. Shmir Sinayim means not to look at girls in the summer. They're not sneers, not to look at girls in the winter either, but in the summer, it's much, much worse, and it's a bigger Yetzirah. Go to Manhattan, wherever you go, wherever you go, it doesn't matter where you go. Get on a bus, get on a train. It's like, wow, it's walking out of UJ. So I want to tell you the ultimate, everything is the ultimate exercise, the ultimate milkshake, the ultimate drink. I want to tell you the ultimate Shmir Sinayim story. This is the ultimate Shmir Sinayim story. So it's in Ma'am Lawyers, it's brought in um, Parshas Kedoshim. Very short story, it says like this. Where is the story brought? So he, he brings it down, Lamadala. Let's see what Lamadala is, so you know where it is. Amazing story. It is an amazing story, but let's see where he quotes Lamadala, 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 Lamadala. Wow. Okay, Lamadala is, oh, the Yalkut. On Pashalayichi. Okay, if you want to see it, it's in the Yalkut. I guess it's Yalkut Shimoni. In Pashalayichi. It says the following story. Rabbi Masya ben Kharash. was a great tzaddik, and his name was Rabbi Masya. He sat all day in yeshiva for Isaac Torah and he learned Torah. And he had this 
light coming from his face. So he doubled the Ziva Shemesh, it was like looking at the sun. His whole life, he never looked at a woman. One day, it bothered the Satan, and he said, How is it possible there's a human being that never looks at a woman? He doesn't do any sins with his eyes. So he went to God. The Satan went to Hashem. It's a pretty interesting story. He didn't call him Rabbi, because he's a Satan. Hashem, what do you think of this guy, Masim and Kharash? What, what do you think of him? Oh, in my eyes, he's a perfect Tzadik. He never sinned. The Satan says to Hashem, Can you give me permission to make him sin? Wait to Khalil. Shem says, Satan, sorry, you don't have the ability to make him sin. We call Malcolm, but if you want to try, let go. So this was a challenge between God and the devil. Halakha Satan. So the Satan went down to this world. And he changed himself into the most beautiful woman. There was no such beautiful woman in the whole world. Listen, he's a satan. He can do that, right? He, he knows how to make... He's, he's the Yitzhara. And he stood in front of this... guy's learning. And this beautiful woman standing in front of him. When Ramashi realized from his peripheral vision that there was a woman standing in front of him, he turned his face away. He didn't want to see her. But the Satan went the same way. Wherever he moved his head, the Satan moved. Wherever he turned, she was there. So this Chassid said, You know what? I don't know if I cannot look. He saw in his peripheral vision there's a woman there. He says, I don't know if I could beat my Yitzhahara not to look. Shalach me other kray tell me that he called his his student Shoyim Hashamsha the one who took care of him. Amalai said to him, "Lech my hair, run, hurry up." Lohavi li eish, bring me fire umasmarim and 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 what do they call the things? Tongs, umasmarim like tweezers, tweezers. Shabarzal of metal. Shanit zorachlem, I need it right away. Halacha tamid veivli masmarim. So the tamid brought him the fire and he brought him the tweezers, but the tongs. When you want it, huh? When you want to grab something off the, off the, off the, off the barbecue. Tongs. Tongs. T-O-N-G-S. Yeah. Right. Okay. So he took the, 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 the tweezers, the tongs. And he put them into the fire. Till they got red hot. The Saraf Enov. And he stuck them in his eyes. The Hizavir. And he became blind. When the Satan saw this, what this rabbi just did, he began to shake. And he, he, he turned around the Satan because of the pain that this Sadiq, so it bothered the Satan that the pain that this Sadiq was in. So Hashem called right away Malach Rafal, the healing Malach. Run. 
stand in front of him, wrap his hand up, and fix his eyes. Okay? Bring back his eyes. went and stood in front of So now he was blind. So he, had, he felt there was a presence in front of him, but he didn't know what it was. It was the woman. He said, Who are you? Who's standing in front of me? I'm Eloi, I need Malach I am the Malach Rufol. I came to heal you. I'm Eloi Ramasya. What happened, happened. Don't heal me. I'm blind, I'm blind. It's better you leave me like this. Chazar Rufol. Rufol went back up. The angel Rufol went back up to Hashem. But the other Baruch Hu, he said to Hashem, he's not letting me heal him. Go back to him. Tell him that he. I, I said God said that he needs to let himself be healed. And I promise him she will never bother him again. He's worried he doesn't want to be healed because the guy's going to do it. do it again. I promise him the Yitzhar won't do it again. And the Malchufal came and he healed him and he gave him back his eyesight. We come Lamdu from here, we learn Chazal should call Hakoyvich Yitzra in a Yitzra Shalom If you beat him at his game, he won't bother you anymore. You got, you got to mamish beat him. Now I'm not telling you to burn your eyes on Chas Shalom. That's not the, that's not the answer. I just want to show you on what level this, um, this Ramasim and Kharish was. No, we don't expect you to do that. But when you have someone on that level, just, just get, you know, just next time, you want to look at something, just think like, oh my gosh, that rabbi burnt his eyes out. I don't think I should be looking at this. Chatzashami, now I'll burn your eyes out. If you, you can't ask questions on this, that'll burn your eyes out, like, you know, that'll hurt yourself, right? We can't ask questions on the story. But this is the story, it's brought down to Yaakov Shemoni. Do you hear? Yeah, how far you have to go? Not to look at girls? Hello? Talk about to even look up for a second. Shmiras Enayim is just an extreme story. That's a very extreme story. But anyway, that's the most extreme story I've ever heard on Shmiras Enayim. All right. So, in the Ma'am Loyes, in Pashbah Loyesko, says the following. On the Pasu Urashi Chachechem, on Rosh Chodesh, in the Halaischa Yud, Pasu Gedala, Perk Yud, Pasu Gedala, if I think it is, it says the following. Nechem, al ezet tzara misrashal al tzibur. When you see something, a tzara, something painting the public, mitzvah l'hadriya v'l'riva chatzreitzreis, you need to blow the horns. You need to know that the reason that Klal is going through what it's going through is because of their sins. The Einze Mikrostam. It's not just happening. The not like the idiots. who think stuff just happens. Okay? It's nothing just happens. Zika, mosquitoes, destroying the brains of babies, doesn't just happen. There was no Zika my whole life, in your whole life, till a year and a half ago. What happened that a mosquito can bite you, you don't even get sick, but in the chadre chadorim of a woman's womb, where you can't even see the human being, is being affected that it's born with a half a brain and a half a head. 
What's going on over here? It just happened? AIDS just happened? This just happened? That mosquitoes are carrying this disease that is specifically destroying children? It doesn't, it doesn't destroy the mother. She gets a little bit of a flu, maybe a little nauseous. Nothing. But the brain of the child is disformed and his head is disformed and he comes out with a half a head and half a brain. Why is Hashem doing this? This is nuts. Mosquito? It, it, it sounds like the story of Titus. Titus said to Hashem, I destroyed the base of Megdash. He took his sword and he cut the, the parechas in half and it was bleeding. Then he went with a, with a, with a zaina, with a prostitute, and he slept with her. He did his thing on top of the Mizbeach. He was a big shot and he said, God, you have no power. Look at me. And then he said, I dare you, right? You destroy with water like you destroy the Mitzrim. You, you destroy with all these things. Like, you, you know, I dare you. You, you can't fight me one on one. And Hashem said, not only will I fight you one on one, but I will send the smallest insect that I have, which is a gnat. It's a little teeny bug. It's a stuff that when you, when you, when, when it gets a little, dark outside and you're sitting in the mountains these little teeny bugs they're called gnats they're teeny little things not even mosquitoes and it flew up his nostril into his head and it started to eat his brain and in the end he dies the thing that when they opened they cracked open his head after he died it was a bird that came out it started off as a teeny little gnat and it ate his brain and became a bird it became a huge big monster bug and Hashem said you think I need to fight you in the water. I will send you my teeny littlest insect, which will destroy you. Guys, Hashem just sent his teeny little insect, a mosquito, a mosquito carrying a virus we never saw before. And according to the CDC, whatever it is, they don't even know it's just going to go across the world and, and, and no one's about allowed to get pregnant. And they have this whole thing now in South America where they're having the Olympics, and anyone who and, and, and everyone who's going to the Olympics, they have to they, they have to take contraceptives. They're not allowed to get pregnant because these the right. So all of a sudden, no one's allowed to get pregnant anymore. What's Hashem saying here? What's going on here? A mosquito that's destroying children in the womb. What's the mean that can I get me It's not even hurting the mother. It's not even hurting the father. The father's also a carrier. Not just a mother. For two years. If a guy gets bitten by this mosquito, for two years, if his wife gets pregnant from him, she can carry the Zika virus and the child will be born not normal. What's going on? A mosquito. My opinion. It's simple. It's simple. Everything Hashem does. Hashem is very interesting. God's very interesting. A, and we're talking a lot about Rav Chaim Vital tonight. A lot of Kabbalah. A lot of Kabbalah. Rav Chaim Vital explains certain certain people are born with certain traits. I've spoken about this before. Right? Certain people are born they love girls. Certain people are born they love money. Some people are born they love covered. Right? Some people are born they can't give one dollar, not a penny. They're so cheap. Right? Why? It's not fear. Because what month you're born in, right? So people are born gay. How could that be? 
Hashem says this is a te'evas Hashem. If it's something Hashem hates, how could you be born like that? So Rav Chaim Vital speaks about this. And he says, magnificent Rav Chaim Vital, it's so, he says, the way that God works is as follows. Last time you were in this world, we're all Gilgulim, there's no new, there's no new souls. Last time you were in this world, you were born a normal guy, when it comes to money, you were born a normal guy, with a choice to give tzedakah or not to give tzedakah. Okay? You're normal. You chose, I don't want to give money. I want to be stingy. Ah. So now you're a Vera, you're Gilgul. The re- what you did last time that you messed up was that you didn't give tzedakah. People came to you for food. And you, I, don't give you, I don't give nothing. You're a miser. You were a miser. Now how are you going to fix that? How are you going to fix that? So because last time you chose that to be a miser, so now you're going to go to Shemai and they're going to be like, oh, you want to be a miser. How do we know you want to be a miser? Because you were in the world, you weren't supposed to be a miser, you chose to be a miser. So you want to be a miser. Oh, so we're going to send you down now as a miser. And the way to fix it, to take your choice back, is not to be a miser. So then when you come back to the next world, you fixed that choice of being a miser this time, right? Even though I want to be a miser and I have to, it kills me to give money and I have to break myself. That's how you masakin, that's how you, how you do a tikkun for Amida. So, if a person last time was born not liking guys, normally, but he decided that he had a taiva and he wants to be with guys. So when he comes up to, to Shemayim, they're like, Hey, we didn't send you down there to be with guys. Now you want to be with guys? Okay, so now you're going to come back into the world wanting to be with guys, but halakhically you can't be. And you're going to struggle your whole life because you're going to have those feelings. And in Shavavim, when we do tshuva in Shavavim, that is one of the Shavavim that we do, right? Which seems to be very strange. You see all these tzaddikim saying, Shavavim, like, why are you saying that, right? But it's, it's, it's about other gilgulim. We say in Shavavim, about a man and a man. We asked for Mechila. What do you mean? I don't like guys. What do you want to ask for Mechila? So in the, in the Sefer of, of Shavavim, it says, if not in this Gilgal, in a different Gilgal that I was in. So you could have been like that many years, whatever. So we asked the Chuvah for that also. So, so, so now you got to come back because that's what you chose. And this time you can't, you, that's what you want and you can't act on it. You last time were born a normal guy and you decided you want to be with a hundred women. Oh, so now you're going to come back with that type of being with a hundred women, but you can't be, you can only be married to one. You have to break what you chose last time. Rav Chaim Vital. Makes a lot of sense and, and, and it's understandable and, and I, I've spoken about this before and the guys that are born that way, um, they, they don't feel it's fear because if you're born liking girls, at least you can marry somebody. You have a, you have a, you have a way out. You have, a, you have one wife. But by, by, by guys, you can't. You can't have, you can't act on it, right? So if you can't act on it, so, so I went to my Rebbe Rabbi Gamliel, I said, the guy who likes girls, they chose a lot of girls, so now he comes back to the world. So Shem says, you can have one wife. Okay, so I have a little pest, I have a little outlet. I have one wife, I have an outlet. But this other guy doesn't have an outlet. So Rebbe Gamliel said, because that Avera is so big, that the only tikkun is going through your whole life without an outlet. If you last time you were Machal Shabbos, but you weren't born the type of person to be Machal Shabbos, you chose to be Machal Shabbos, so this time your, your struggle is going to be Shabbos. 
If last time you weren't born that your struggle was chazer, to eat treif, you decided to eat treif, you come to Shema and like, you chose treif. So now you're going to have this crazy etzara for shrimp and lobster, whatever it is, for, for non-kosher burgers, or whatever it is, and you can't, and you can't act on it. And that's why you're here. You're here to be musakin, and therefore Chaim Vital says, the thing you struggle with the most, that you want to do, the very you want to do the most, that's why you're here. And if you don't do it, you're misacking it, you don't got to come back, you don't have to go to Gehenim, you, 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 you have your tikkun. And it's very painful sometimes, your tikkun. But the bigger the Avera, the harder the tikkun. That's the way it works. What does society choose? And Hashem said, if that's what you choose, what you chose, now I'm not going to give you a choice. So what's going on in the world, again, this is my opinion, and if you don't agree with me, hey, don't, you don't have to agree with me. What's going on in the world right now, which happened many years ago, is pro-abortion. Which means that you can take a child, um, in, a, in our Jewish, in Jewish after 40 days, whatever it is, that you can take a child and you can kill it. You can take it out of its mother's womb and you can kill it. To the point that yesterday, the, the um, Supreme Court of the United States of America, went against the Texas lower court and said, and made the rules like, even even if the woman is past the first trimester, the baby is more than three months old. And sometimes you have to cut the baby, the doctor has to go in and cut the baby into pieces to get the pieces out. So you're going in, you're killing a baby, and you're cutting the baby into pieces to take the baby out. We're murderers, we're, free, we're flipping murderers. You're, murderers. you're a murderer. You're going in there and you're cutting a kid to pieces. It's legal. And the Supreme Court of America, of the free world, of the democracy, but the poor kid has no, 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 he has no democracy. He's going to die and you're going to cut him into pieces to get him out of his mother's womb. Look how sick we are. That's what we are. We're mamish, we're mamish in the times of the marble. Mamish in the times of the marble. They put up a bigger statue now. There's a statue in Manhattan. They have a statue. There's a statue. It's already a statue. So, a rabbi is not going to talk about anything about gay and gay parades and all that, because Chatz Rishon, but, but you're not allowed to have an opinion. Why? You're, you, I'm not allowed to have an opinion. You're allowed to have an opinion that it's okay, and I can have an opinion that it's not okay. That's not, that's not democracy. You have an opinion that's okay, I have an opinion that's not okay. Why are you yelling at me and calling me this and calling me that, and a bigot and a this and a racist and a, and a guy from, and a prehistoric monster and a, a guy from the caves and a caveman? Oh, you're, you're allowed, I'm not allowed to have an opinion? That's not democracy. You say yes, I say no. What's, what's the problem with that? So we have gay marches, then they put up a thing, and we have pro-abortion, and Hashem's like, you don't want to have babies? You don't want to have babies? You want to, you, 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 you want to play with the babies in the womb? Oh, so me to connect me, I'm going to create a mosquito that's going to give you a bite, and I'm going to, and the baby in the womb is not going to be healthy. Because that's your choice. You decided to play with the womb of a woman, what's going on inside the womb, it's such a crazy disease. A mosquito that's carrying a virus that they can't, they don't have medicine for, and it's affecting not the woman who's carrying it, but the child inside. That's crazy. If you, if it affects the mother, then of course it affects the child. But here it's affecting the child in a huge way, and the mother in a teeny way. It's Shaloi Kedera Hateva. You mama see God's hand. He's screaming at us. I sent you a little teeny mosquito. 
You don't want to have children? You want to live in a world without children because the whole world is gay? In a hundred years, there is no world. It's no children. Finished. Have a good day. No children in the world. The world is over. In a hundred years, there is no world. The planet of the apes. There's no human beings left in the world. Only the animals who reproduce, right? The world will be full of animals. No human beings. So, so you don't want... So you don't want to have children? And if you if there's pregnancy, we're going to have abortions? So you know what? I'm going to bring a bug into the world that you're not going to have children. Because you can't get pregnant. Because if you get pregnant and you get bitten by this mosquito, the child's not going to be normal. We are changing the, the guts, the blueprint, the nature of the world. It's not natural that a mosquito can affect a human child in the way that Zika does. It's not natural. It's not normal. And it was like, okay, Zika, I'm not going to Florida. I'm not going to South America. I'm not going to Mexico. Hello? That's not the reaction. The reaction is, why would Hashem bring this weird, weird disease that attacks children in the womb? Once the child's out of the womb, my, my proof to what I'm saying is correct, is that a little kid gets bitten by this mosquito, nothing happens. If he bites a one-day-old baby, a mosquito bites a one-day baby, nothing happens. Baby grows up, like, mosquito bites, scratches it, have a good day. But if it's in the womb of the mother, it's in the womb, it comes out totally dead or half-dead or half-brain-dead. So it's an attack on the womb. The womb that we're not protecting. The child in the womb that we're not protecting. Because abortion is legal, and you can do whatever you want to that kid, and the world doesn't look at the kid in the womb as a human being. So Shem says, really? Well, I guess it's not a human being, then it's not a problem with the mosquitoes, is it? Again, it's my opinion, just looking from the outside, looking at something that's so not normal, so scary. They don't know. It could spread around the whole world. Imagine... A mosquito bite, you can't, you can't get pregnant. Huh? Nobody can get pregnant. So the child's going to come out not normal. From a mosquito bite. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, the world is definitely being affected like it was in the times of, uh, of uh, Adam Arishon and in the times of Noah that the actual world is being, is being affected by this. It's, it's very, 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 very scary. And, and you can't just like not pay attention to it because it's here and it's very weird this whole mosquito thing is and Hashem put it in and put it in the in the smallest little bug it's a teeny little bug it's nothing it's this big it affects it affects a child's life a child's born with the brain not fully developed maybe because our brains are not fully developed maybe because we're passing laws that, that are not normal so our brains are not fully developed so Hello, the, the media connected media is the kid's brain is not fully developed. We're nuts, we're crazy, we're not, we're not human. What do you mean cutting a kid up into pieces to get him out? Supreme Court! So it used to be before the trimester, so that's 90 days, now it's not. No, it overturned. There was a court that said, in Texas, the Supreme Court said, no! We're not protecting that kid. Supreme Court of the United States of America. Okay, what should I tell you? Now, next next subject. So my next subject is as follows. 
have to be very careful how I say this. I'm going to get a lot of emails. Okay. Just my email hasn't been working. My email is not going to be working for a while. Okay. Um, so, this is a very important subject that I'm about to talk about. He's a very... He was. He is a good friend of mine. He had a place called Home Street Home, Avi Fischoff, and it was an amazing place. And he did a lot of chesed. He was a very good boy. But what he's teaching is 100% pure apicarsis, and I'm saying this publicly. And he got out and he made a little video where he called the Yamaka Shmata, whatever he did, whatever he did. Um, it's called Twisted Parenting. The reason I'm bringing this up, because this week, somebody came up to me and said, Red Walston, you know, we heard that you agree with this Twisted Parenting that's being taught. And I said, not only I don't agree, it is 100% apicarsis. I'm not saying that Avi Fischoff is an apicarsis, but what he's teaching is apicarsis. And his claim is that there's a bunch of rabbeim behind him. I don't know who he has behind him, who he doesn't have behind him, but the one big rabbi he does, I asked him a question about what to do with a girl who was wearing very short clothing in the house and it was affecting the other kids, and he said, tell the parents that they shouldn't let her in the house. And I said... But I thought you're behind this whole Avi Fischoff that you do whatever, you know, you give the kid whatever he wants. And the rabbi said, absolutely not. So I don't know what rabbis he has behind him. Sometimes, you know, again, I'm not saying I'm 100% right. I'm just telling you my opinion. There's a Beis Shammai, there's a Beis Hillel. Karach also had a lot of rabbis behind him. So I'm not saying his rabbis are Karach, but a lot of people can be fooled by a lot of things. I'm going to read you a story tonight. Um... To show you how the Sutton can fool good people. So what is what is what is twisted parenting? So twisted parenting is that whatever your kid needs, you give them. In other words, um, if my daughter decides that she doesn't want to eat kosher, and we're at a Yankee game, and she says, Ta, I don't want the kosher franks. I want to eat the franks with the cheese on them. The non-kosher ballpark franks. In twisting parenting, you have to buy her, not only tell her, I'm not buying that for you if you want to buy it, that's your business. You have to buy it for her. You have to give them whatever they want. If she wants to bring her boyfriend home, you have to make the bed for them. And clean the linen. And let them sleep in your house together. Which is total apicorsis. Why? So the whole claim here is, and the reason I think that the rabbis were fooled into this, is that Sakhanas Tafashis. If you don't give the kid what he wants, he's going to do drugs. If he does drugs, he's going to, over, he's going to overdose. If he overdoses, he's going to die. Now, for Sakhanas Tafashis, if, if someone says, if you don't give me this chazer to eat, I'm going to die, and his life's in danger, you have to give him chazer to eat. So he made a whole dreidel, dreidel, dreidel that if you don't give the kid what he wants, he's going to end up on drugs and he's going to OD, so you killed him. In my opinion, first of all, 
how do you, where do you know for sure that the kid's going to OD? Why would he OD? I mean, yes, there are 75 kids that died in the last five, six months, but I don't think that's because they didn't get a Frank with cheese on it in a baseball game or because um, their, their, their parents didn't let him into the house without a yarmulke. I, I don't think that's what that, what happened. I mean, they went through a lot of trauma, and it's, it's talking the biggest tragedy. If we heard a bus blew up in Israel with 75 kids that died, we would go crazy. We lost 75 kids since circus to overdose and suicide. Girls and boys. Very, very, very sad what's going on. Very, very sad. We need to, we need to try to figure out what, you know, what we can do. Buying them, helping them do a virus and schlepping them into hell, that's not going to help them. Maybe we need to take them to a baseball game and maybe we need to take them to reserve cup. Hey! Not to buy them a trade for Frank, take them to a good kosher restaurant in the city. Dress them up, put them in a limo and let's go. Why do you have to give them chazer traits? And, and what are you doing? You're, you're taking your child, right? You're taking your child, and you have a third partner called God, and you're taking your child, and you're giving him chazer, and, you, and you're telling him he doesn't have to go to shul, and you're telling him that he can be with this girl, and you, and you can do whatever you want. You, you're taking your child, and you're bringing him to hell. What are you going to say after 120 years? You're going to come to Shemayim, right? And they're putting your child into hell. Because of everything that you fed him and you did. This world, and, and again, this is very important. I am not judging any parents that are doing this. Because these are parents whose children are often there who don't talk to them, who have no relationship with them, and these parents are dying for their children to love them and have a relationship with them. And this is a way to get a relationship, because if you give your kid whatever he wants, of course. So Hashem should just let us do whatever we want, and then we'd love him. I would love him. There'd be no atheists. And we can do whatever we want. Whatever we want. Anything you want. You want to eat a person? Cannibal? Eat him. Party time. Whatever you want. Any girl. Any drugs. Any Avera. Doesn't make a difference. You think you'd be an atheist in the world? God, we love you, man. Keep it coming. That's not how God created. That's not, that's not how God created the world. This consequence. And on the other hand, the two girls that their parents were in this program, both of them, one relapsed. They're, they're not Jew, they're, they have nothing to do with Judaism, and they're not in this world. They're not doing anything for anyone. They're, 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 they're just wasting away. Why? Because what, what are you doing for your child? You're teaching your child because you want them to love you. And I tried to explain this last week. I don't know if everyone understood what I was saying. Unconditional love. It's the big word. You gotta give your kids unconditional love. They don't have to give their parents unconditional love. I don't know, I don't understand this whole deal. What's, what's with this deal? It's only one way. You gotta give your kids unconditional love. You ever hear a rabbi get up and say, kids! You gotta give your parents unconditional love. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, you gotta love them. Nobody talks about that. How about, I have to give my kid whatever he wants, right? Why doesn't my kid have to do whatever I want? I have to buy you a tray for Frank in a baseball game. In the same baseball game, I want you to wear your yarmulke. No. You don't have to give me what I want, but I have to give you what you want. That is not a relationship. A relationship is a give and a give. What are you giving me? You're just taking. You want your Frank. You want your girl. You don't want to wear your yarmulke. You're a girl. You want to wear shorts. You want to get dressed the way you want. Right? Okay. So now I'm giving you all this. I'm buying you the shorts. 
I'm smoking the pot with you. I bought it for you. Because that's what you have to do. And that's the rule. That's the rule. The kid doesn't have to buy it himself. You have to go to the dealer and buy it. Right? And then smoke it with him. So he feels comfortable. He doesn't want to smoke alone. Nobody likes to smoke alone. A few guys tell me they do. But most guys don't like to smoke alone. Right? So you got to drink with him and buy him the drink. Now, okay. Now what are you doing for me? I, I did this all for you. What's the give that I'm getting from my kid? I want you to go to Yamaka, I want you to go to Yeshiva, I want you to put on Tefillin, I want you to Daven, I want you to keep Shabbos. No, I'm not doing any of that. So what's the relationship? There's no relationship here. A relationship, so how's this kid going to get married? Let's say it's a boy, right? He's going to tell his wife, I want this, I want this, I want this. What do you mean? Well, what about me? No, Avi, uh, my father, you know, that we, we look, twisted parenting. You've you got to give me whatever I want, so that marriage is not going to work. Then he comes to work, right? He tells his boss, I want off every 20 minutes. And I want you to buy me the soda and lunch. And then I want off the next hour and I want you to bring the movie that I can watch. And the boss is like, bye-bye, you're fired. You can't, that's not the world. You can't live like that. So what are we teaching our children? If we do twisted parenting, so we're so hard up to get my kid to talk to me. I'm willing to sacrifice his soul in the next world. Sleeping with a girl is kares. Mahal Shabbos is kares. Eating treif and all the things that Twisted Pyramid says you have to do is kares. Kares means that that soul will be cut off from Kaisal. So it's worth it? In this world to have your kid like you for a couple of hours, he's not going to like you forever because that's not a good relationship. And then in the next world, you put him into Gehenna? It is so corrupt. It is such a corrupt concept. It is such a becausis. It's not normal. And the reason I'm talking about it tonight is because people out there are saying, Rabbi Wallerstein agrees with him. I do not agree with him. It is apikosis. It is everything anti that I stand for, my family stands for, the Kahanam stand for, Pinchas ben Allah ben Aaron stands for, the Torah stands for, it is opposite everything. It doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that you should do this. And this whole baloney that it's pekuach nefesh, it's more pekuach nefesh to make the parents do this. Pekuach nefesh, you want to talk about pekuach nefesh? What you kids that are off the derech are doing to your parents, the stress, the stress kills more people than anything else. You might have had 75 suicides, not due to, to eating trays, believe me, right? Or making beds for your kids and that your girlfriend can come to your house. But the stress on the parents, it causes cancer stress, it causes heart failure stress. What about them? What about the Bikuach Nefesh to the parents? Why isn't anyone talking about that? Why do they have to deserve to die for their kids? Where does it say that? What kind of relationship is this? This is not real. This is twisted parenting. Uh, by Avi Fischoff, it's Apicarsis. I love him. He's a friend of mine. And I don't know where this came from. He was never a Rebbe in a class. He doesn't have 38 years in Chinuch. I don't know what he has. And I don't know who taught him this. And I know that he's doing it from a place of love. He does it for free. He sits with people for 8 hours. He loves Hashem. He's a firm guy. Just something got twisted. But Rabbi Wallace, and the reason I'm talking about it, I didn't speak about it. I speak about it privately to people. I didn't speak about it publicly. Because if it's going out there publicly, then I am agreeing or I am behind this. 
absolutely anti one every fiber of my body every fiber of my body and the parents that are doing it you know you ask your love but just remember that taking your kid to hell is a price to pay for it and that's what you're doing because the first piece of chaza they might have eaten you bought for them I, I, I don't get that unless someone's dying unless someone's on the edge of a roof about to jump and says you either give me a chaza or I'm going to jump but you know what Gilead Royce you can't and Abay Dazari you can't the Gemara talks about a story where this guy saw this beautiful woman she was married and he said if I can't be with her I'm going to get sick and I'm going to die and he got sick and they asked the Chachamim he said just let me touch her I'm not going to do anything let me lay in bed with her I'm not going to do anything just let me touch her he said we can't, we can't let you touch her she's a married woman I don't, just let me touch her because if you don't let me touch her I'm going to die Gemara says he died they didn't let him touch her <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about taking a boy and letting him sleep with a girl who's a Nida because girls don't go to the mikvah it's Gilarayas so, 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 even if it's that kind of flashes, you can't let give away or, or atheism, which, which is, which is like, like a bite. What are you doing? So, if, so, so if a kid comes to you and says, I don't want to go to school, I want, I want to be Michal Shabbos, I want the car, I'm going to drive on Shabbos. Right? You have to give it to him because, you know, he's going to get angry and maybe he's going to get into another car and drive off a cliff. That's not Pekuach Nefesh. If, he, if he's going off a cliff, then you have, that's Bikuach Nefesh. But all those different steps, that's not Bikuach Nefesh. And that's not the reason that people commit suicide. So what you do need to do is you need to love your child and you need to give him kosher ways of living. Not ways that are going to take him into Gehenna, but ways that are going to take him into Ganeiden. So take him to a good restaurant and buy them nice clothing and take care of them in the best way in a loving, caring way so it doesn't get to that point but to give them whatever they want and you should be the one to buy it for them you should give them the money what are you, what are you teaching them? every therapist that I know and I deal with the top, I told them this they looked at me like, is that guy is he a normal guy, the guy who's talking about this? I told them in Utah, I was in Utah I was like, well, we have this guy, like, what do you think of this? And they're like, is, is this person normal? Like, does he have any followers? I'm like, yeah, a lot of people go to him. He's like, oh my God, the Mormons are like, no way. Don't work, it doesn't work that way. No way. A lot of love, absolutely. Listen, I have a school. And my high school, my girls, anybody wants trauma, these girls went through the craziest, sickest trauma. And they come to my school, and you cannot be in my school unless you wear the dress code. Every single girl is in a uniform. In school, when you're under my roof, there are rules. And you gotta wear a skirt down to your ankles. And you gotta wear a t-shirt with sleeves. When you leave school, I can't control what you do. I don't control what they do. But in school? What do you mean? They have every excuse. Rabbi, if you make me wear uniform, then I'm not gonna come to your school. And if I don't come to your school, I'm gonna kill myself. That's not my responsibility. This is my school. And this is what it means to, work, to come to my school. I have two rules in my whole school. That's it. It's the greatest school around. You had to be there at 10 o'clock. You come in a minute, one minute after 10. Bye-bye. For the day, you go home. But I had this. The first one I first opened, girls were like, came at 10.15. You know, they check you out at 10.30. Stand by the door. Nope. And they're like, 
Rabbi, you don't let me in. I'm telling you right now, I'm jumping off a building. Another girl said, you don't let me in right now. I'm going to be with five guys today. Every Avera is going to be on you. I'm like, no, the Avera is going to be on you. <laughs> Not on me. I didn't do the Avera. Tomorrow, I'll be here at 10. It took a week. No one's ever late. Ever. Everyone's there at 10. Responsibility. Otherwise, how are you going to get married? How are you going to have a job? How are you going to take care of your kids? If everyone's doing everything for you and you don't have any responsibility, you don't have any rules, because it's not a, the, the way the world's created, there are rules. There are rules in science. There are, there are the rule of gravity. There are rules. There are certain rules in this world. You jump off a building, you're going to splatter. You're not going to bounce. You can't fly. You're not a bird. If you try to fly, it will not work. There are certain ways Hashem created the world, there are certain rules. And the healthy people, Stay with those rules. For an neshama, there are certain rules. The damage of one piece of chazer, the damage that it does to a person's soul, will take so long to fix. And you're going to buy that for them? Because they want it? Do you give your little kid whatever they want? One of the, one of the most chokeable foods for children is a frank. Very dangerous because a frank fits right into the windpipe. So anyone who knows anything about little kids, you don't feed them franks. If you do, you cut it into little teeny pieces. Now what happens if your kid is screaming? Or your kid is allergic to peanuts and wants peanuts and screaming at the top of the lungs and they won't stop. Are you an idiot? You're gonna give them peanuts and they're gonna they're going to have an allergic reaction and end up in the hospital maybe dead? No, of course not. You're like, I don't care how much you scream, you're not getting peanuts. So when a, when a child wants to eat treif, it's an allergic food to their soul. If you give it to them, you're hurting them. Now, if that kid wants to go out and buy treif, I can't stop them. But I am not going to feed you. I am not going to put you in hell. I am not going to help my child go to hell. If he wants to go there and he wants to do what he wants to do, kachaya. So what I tried to explain last week, and it's, I think it's very brilliant, and this is my message to all those who believe in, in, in this twisted parenting. Unconditional love means that I will tell you something that you don't like to make you better. And I know you're not going to like me for it, and I want you to like me, but I'm willing to sacrifice that relationship because I love you so much that even though you're not going to like me, I know it's going to make you a better person. That's unconditional love. Conditional love means I will give you everything, whatever you want, on the condition that you like me. So if you want this, and you want that, and you want me to buy you a car, you, everything you want, you know, I'm going to take the car. Sure, take the car. I'm only 14, I know, but <laughs> I want you to like me. You, you tell all your friends that like, you're the only guy who has a dad that lets him have a car at 14. That's conditional love. Unconditional love is, I'm sorry. I love you. No. I'm never going to talk to you again, Dad. I'm telling you right now, you're going to let me take the car. No. You're 14. You're not taking the car. I'm never going to take you. I will lose my relationship with you so that you're safe. Unconditional love means I'm willing to do what's good for you, to bring you into Ganeiden, kicking and screaming, instead of momentary that you like me, and bring you into Gehenna. That is unconditional love. And in the four parshas that we are just learning right now, the same mistake was made. 
Moshe Rabbeinu loved Klai Yisrael. The and this is this is a Rav Chaim Vital, which is very scary. When Adam was separated for 130 years from Chava, he did a sin. And when he did that sin, his neshama, which was the whole world, cracked into millions of pieces, actually into 600,000 pieces. Shards, they're called shards, like pieces of glass. To bring Mashiach, we, get to, we have to bring them all back together again. Those neshamas were in the souls of all the people in the Dor HaMabal. The Dor HaMabal had a chance to fix what Adam did wrong. They failed. They all died. Hashem brought a new world. He brought Noah. He brought those souls back to fix in the Dor HaFlaga. The Dor HaFlaga is the one that built the, the tower. They were very brilliant. They failed. They tried to, they tried to fight with Hashem. They failed. Hashem took the Nitzutzim, and that Rizal talks about this, it's, it's in the Zayar, it's all over. He took the Nitzutzim, where did he put them? All these souls that were messed up. He put them in Mitzrayim. Klai Yisrael went down to Mitzrayim to take these Nitzutzim and bring them back together in order to bring Adam into one piece in order to bring Mashiach. Most of the Nitzutzim were actually, a lot of them were in the in the castle of, of whatever talked about Moshe Rabbeinu he, he worked on it whatever it is who are these Nitzutzim guys? the Erev Rav when the Jewish nation left the Triumph all these souls that came all the way from the Avera that Adam did all these souls went into the Erev Rav who said we want to be with the Jews they're the winners that was the Nitzutzim of Adam's sin Dar HaMabel Dar HaFlaga Nitzrayim are now leaving Mitzrayim to go get the Torah. They were bad to the bone. Mara, they complained about the water, they complained about the man, they complained about everything. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, do not take them out of Mitzrayim. Kleistral has a very holy neshama. These are coming from a very bad place. It's not going to be good. Moshe Rabbeinu was soft. He was soft. And he said, but they want to come. And they want to change. Hashem said, I'm telling you, it's not going to be good. He said, but how can I say no? So he took them. He paid a big price for them. The whole 40 years. What happens? These same Erev create the ego. Aaron is soft with them. Tomorrow, make the ego. He should have gotten up and said, no ego. That's it. No ego. We don't make idols. No ego. Nothing. Hoy did. They killed them. And it's brought down that Aaron, very interesting, I saw this in the Chidah, that he wasn't soft. But Aaron said if they kill Hor, they kill them. Because he got up and said, no way. He said if they kill Hor and they kill me, Aaron, Hashem will destroy the whole Israel, Wipe them off the face of the earth. Calling Gadol and him together, forget about it. So he put it off hoping that he would not be murdered. Because if he was murdered, there's no, there was no, there was, there was no Klaistral anymore. So Chido brings that down. What happened? Last week, Parsha, the same Aradim complained, the same, um, Erev Rav complained 
that there's no meat. Instead of slamming them, right? Instead of slamming them, saying, you got the mon, too bad you don't have meat, right? They didn't slam them. So what happened? They got slav. And they died with the slav in between their teeth. Yeah, look. They didn't eat one day, they didn't eat five days, they didn't eat ten days, they ate three, thirty days. Till they couldn't eat it anymore. Okay, now we come. Habasa adenu ben shineem terem yukares. The meat was in their mouth before they died. It was called kivoy satava, where I buried the taiva. Okay? They died. Hashem gave them the meat that they wanted, and they died. This softness leads to this week's parsha. Hashem tells Moshe again, I don't agree with Maraglim. I don't agree with sending spies. And they made a big mistake. What do you have to send spies for? I have Anani Akava. They're surrounded by Anani Akava. They can't, the Arabs try to shoot into the Egyptians and bounced off. <laughs> so what are you worried about them for? Go into Eretzisrael. You're going to run them over. You had, you had, you had, you were surrounded by fire pillars. It would wipe them out. What are you worried about? They can shoot at you all you want. They can't help you, right? No, no, we want to, we want to, we want to go in. Now, these were, these were not, these were, these were the Erevrav. Last week's parsha, when they asked for the meat, everyone asked the kasha, meat? They didn't have meat? They couldn't even go into Eretz Yisrael because they had so much sheep and cattle. They were full of sheep and cattle. So why don't they just have lamb chops and steak? They had meat, so they were complaining, right? They didn't have meat, they had a lot of meat. So Rashi says, why were they complaining, right? Rashi says, they, they knew they had meat, that's not what was going on. They just wanted to complain. That's it. Elu Erevrav. This is the Erevrav. Shena Aswa Lehem and Tzayim Yitzrayim. These are the ones. Okay, I'm talking. Chilo Hayol Hem Basar. It says that they had Mignarav. Says Rashi Ela Mevakshin Alila. Footsteps. They just wanted to make trouble. They had meat. They had lamb. They just wanted to make an Alila. Just wanted to make trouble. And this Erev Rav went on. And it just continues. And this week's Pasha Shlach. And when Klai Shrol said to Moshe Rabbeinu, we want to go check out the land, Moshe Rabbeinu should have said, no. No, we're not going. We're not checking out the land. But he let them go. They went. Came back to Next week's Pasha. You allow. You just keep allowing. You keep allowing. Shows up who? Oh, you can send Maraglin. We're not shutting him down. Shows up next week's Pasha. Kairach. Who goes totally against Hashem. And totally against Moshe Rabbeinu. And what happens after Korach? Goes. Bolak. Where the Nasi of Shimon is making out. With this Midianite in front of the whole Klai row, And Moshe Rabbeinu is standing there with Aaron. And they don't say anything. Because it's like totally out of control. Everybody's doing it. Whatever they want. Exactly like today. He's a Nasi. And he's messing in front of the whole Kaisrael. And no one's doing anything. Pinchus ben says, that's it. This is over. Someone has to say no. 
Someone has to make a stand. Someone has to open their mouth. And he takes a spear and he goes into Shevet Shimon where he was in danger of losing his life. It was a miracle that he got out. And he says, Moshe's saying, I don't understand, they don't know what to do because the Kleistral is telling Moshe Ben, you also, you're also married to a, a Midianite. Who are you? To Paskin on this. You are one of them. You married to Porus. She's a Midianite. So Moshe Ben couldn't say anything. So Pilchus said, enough of this. Enough of this psychology that we have today that everyone just does whatever they want. Want meat? We'll give you meat. You want to go, you want to go be Moraglim? Well, go be Moraglim. Whatever you want. So Pilchus said, it's over. It's done. I'm stopping this. It's, it's over. And he takes the spear and he throws it into two of them while they're doing the act and he kills them both and the Medrash says they were both on the top of the spear because the spear went into both of them he picked up the spear with the two of them on top of the spear it was very strong and he held it up imagine two human beings speared through and he said this is what happens when you do znus now I make your bed for you and do your linen and let you into my house this is what happens when you do znus and Hashem said you're lucky you did it Pinchas because had you not done it, the only 24,000 died, I would have wiped out the whole Kleistral. Enough of the psychology of just letting everyone do whatever they want. You can't just do whatever you want. So he gave him Brisi Shalom. Who did he become? Leo Anavi. He stopped it at that point. Enough. You can't just do whatever you want, whatever you want it. And his life was in danger and they wanted to kill him for it. Because he stood up. He stood up for Hashem. To stand up for Hashem. And what's unconditional love to Hashem? When you say things that people don't like. When you say the right things to help your Talmudim and to help Klai Yisrael and they're not going to like you for it. Because if you do it because you want to be liked, then, you're, then, you're, then, you're, then your love for God is conditional. Unconditional love is I am going to stand up and say what I have to say even if you don't like me. Because I'm doing it for my God and I, I love Him. And it's not about if you like me or not. It's not what this is about. And we are falling apart. This is not working. It's not working. All the psychology. We never had 75 suicides and deaths of young people in, in, in six months. So whatever we're doing, buying kids not kosher franks, and doing whatever we're doing, it's getting a lot worse. They're not happy. They're killing themselves. It's not working. Kids are happy when they feel like they're accomplishing something. Not when they just do whatever they want. That doesn't make a human being happy in the end. It's a band-aid, but it's not real. It has to stop. We have to own our stuff. We have to grow up. We have to do the right thing. We have to bring our kids to the right thing. We have to love them the right way. This is not the right way. If you come into a shul, you got to wear a yarmulke. If you come into my house... Why don't I deserve respect? Why don't you give me anything? It's my house. Everyone else is wearing a yarmulke. So, so I have to appreciate you and let you come in without a yarmulke? That's, that's only giving. Where, where I get it? What am I getting from you? Why don't you have to wear a yarmulke? If that's what the family does. That's respect. A soldier has to wear a uniform. A policeman has to wear a uniform. So why don't I deserve that? Why is it one way? Why does my kid get unconditional love, but a parent doesn't get unconditional love from a kid? Where's that rule book? I, I think the Ten Commandments says, honor your parents 
Your mother and father doesn't say honor your daughter and, 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 and son. Yes, you should love them and you should give them and you should take care of them and you should take them once in a while to a nice fancy restaurant and to a ball game and, and, to, and to things that they love 100%. And you should buy them nice things and you should love them positively. I'm not saying not, but there's relationship is so what do you so so I gave you everything so what are you giving me how come I don't count what about my stress level what about Sakharis and Fushis to me what about putting my life on the danger that parents are having heart attacks mom is getting cancer from the stress and the pain that they're going through why don't kids why aren't kids responsible for the Sakharis and Fushis of their parents why is this only one way shouldn't it be one way okay I think I said what I had to. Um, so I want to end with this story to show you how this is not the first time that we've been really very, very fooled. So there's a story like this. Pamachas Yehudi, there was once a Jew who came to a land called Kedar. And he had to travel from this land and he had a lot of money on him. So he wanted to leave the money with somebody in that town that he could trust. So, Yehudi HaYilahabe Kesef, Matzashem Goizak, and he found a very old man, and he said, would you watch my money? I'll pay you for watching my money until I come back. He said, yes. He's trustworthy, fine. He came back after two months. Amalei Ancheir, so he said to, to the people of the city, in Kedo, where is this old man? I want to get my money back. They said, uh, yesterday he was burnt to death. Sorry. But don't worry. Don't worry. He's coming back. In two days, he's going to come back. And he'll tell you where his money is. He said, what are you saying? You said he was burnt to death. They had a minute in this town. They had a custom. There was a mountain. There was a volcano in that mountain. There was a fire coming out of the mountain. Everyone knew in the town. Whether you're a man or a woman. When you became 60 years old. You jumped into the fire, and you got burnt to death. After three days, they would come back, would base them to their house, and they would tell the people in their house what they need to do, who they need to pay back, and they would give them instructions on what to do. So they told this Jew, like, nah, nah, in this town, three days, nah, something's wrong here. If you want to see the old man that you gave the money to, stay here another day. He'll come back. He's like, you saw him go into the fire? Yeah. You saw him burn like into crisp, into ashes? Yeah. You tell me he's coming back tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. Another day, I'll find out where my money is. Okay, I'll try it out. With a crazy story in the eyes of the Jew. Yakum Riova, how could it be that he's gonna come back alive? Nope. He had no choice. He waited. The next day the old man shows up. The Jew says to him, give me back my money. I'll give it to you. Take it if he brings him the money. He sees the old man sit at the head of the table and his whole family is sitting around him. Who to pay, who owes them, he's giving them all instructions what to do. When the old man finishes, to speak, he kisses his wife, and his children, and he leaves. 
So when this old man leaves the house, the Jew runs after him. I'm like, where you going? You came back, where you going? I'm going back to the next world. The Jew knows this. This is not. This can't be real, right? You're not going back to the next world. What, what's going on over here? Something's very not right. Doing the same thing again. And they're all killing themselves 
and they find out later that uh, you think you're going, you're not going. We ask this. Why do you do this? It's like you're tricking these people to suicide. Like, why are you doing this? Says to him, Gehenim, Hashem created Gehenim on Tanai. It was on the Tanai that Gehenim is called Rishon, a lot of Rishon. He says, in this land of Kedar, Kulam Rishon, all very bad people. And I fool them, she has Shlichu, it's Atzvan, all the Kirshan age. He jumped and said that nobody lived past six years. And, and then this Jew understood it, and he, of course he left, and he stayed with us. What about Sometimes, they were sure that they were all going to Ganadin. They were sure this was the way to go to Ganadin, that you would never go to Ganadin, jumping into the fire, and they had proof. This guy came back. Every three days, every guy came back. Every woman came back. But they're thinking a lot of... So, to summarize everything today, to really love someone, to really be a good coach, to sometimes take up and say that really feel like you can be doesn't need to like me. Coach lets you get away with murder because he wants you to like him. He allows you not to be who you could be. First parents, sometimes it has to be unconditional love. Sometimes you have to say things and do things. But kids don't. If you know we're doing the right thing, just come in That's unconditional That's the love that God gives God does not say Sometimes the stuff that the answer Sometimes it's very hard. Keeps up the 30 minutes of time. But God knows what's good for our soul. Sometimes stuff that he asks us to do, you may not like him. But he knows that it's going to be That's true. That's truly loving your children. True relationship. The way we bring up our children. Don't have any given. Just take. Just parents give and the child. What happens? That child grows up and he's never a husband. She only knows the relationship of take. So they're in a marriage. That's a work. Take. They go to work. They don't want to take. Go to your job. It's a different So how many days do I get off? How many sick days? How many vacation days? How many days can I come late? How long is my lunch hour? I'm not hiring you. I'm not hiring you. If that's all you want to know, what you can take from me? And when am I getting a bonus? You, you didn't even start working for me. How many days off? When are you getting a bonus? How many sick days? When can you come late? How long is lunch? I don't think anyone's going to hire such a person. When a person comes to work and says, so, um, what do you need me for? Like, if you ever need me a little bit extra time, the person wants to give, but then they can, then I can say, yeah, listen, you give me a little extra time, I'll give you a little extra time. If you ever need a day off for the kids, I'm not like that. You know, give any, cannot have a relationship. Just a relationship, twisted parenting, 
You just did just baby. Baby, just baby. Diaper it, you nurse it, feed it, you're perfect. It's a baby. But you can't be a baby your whole life. You have to learn to give and to give. That is the relationship that we need. So my bracha to everyone is that we should pack a seat. So I, I, what I wanted to end off with, and this is very scary, and I just, I'm, I'm ending this with a very long shift, and I mean, this is very, very important. Don't take this the wrong way. It's very scary. So kindly tell some fun. She has plums. No aerobrah. The only people that will live, plums of Shia, Israel. Anyone from the Aravram that was misogynist right now, we're mixed in Jewish nation with Aravram. It says, he brings out, how do you know who's a Jew and who's Aravram? Aravram's also a Jew. The mother's a Jew, right? How do you know? The person who's machti, the person who causes his friends to sin, right, or makes parties where they sin, he's Aravram. Now, it's not a, a true Jewish soul can't be like that. So people who make parties and invite kids to do a baby like that, that's Aravram. He said, how is Hashem, Mashiach comes, how is he going to separate the Aravram from the Jews? He said, it'll all be done before Mashiach comes. Two ways. Into marriage. If a Jewish man marries a non-Jewish girl, right? It's over. Children are going. So that's one way. Our job is to try to make sure that doesn't happen. But that's our race. Because children are not Jewish. When he dies, it's over. No, no problem. He's out, he's out, and his children are not in. One way. But the other way is that if they're not Mestakein, the Erev is not Mestakein, they don't fix. Those, those Shamas don't fix the thumb what's supposed to be. They don't fix what happened to Adam, then they will go up to Derech and they will be high Paris and they will, they will, before Mashiach comes, they will totally leave you to strengthen the Kamehameha. And when Mashiach comes, they won't be part of the so the, so the footsteps, the nucleus of Eirev, and everything that, everyone that they're drawing to them is filtering out the Eirev route Our job is try to get them back. Can I get them back? We have to do whatever we can to get them back. Can I get them back? That's what they're doing. Really, the sons of Mashiach is the factory, the, 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 the way that this, this Eirev route Footsteps pulling out of the Yiddish world their own. Very stupid. And, and it's a Tad Mashiach. It's a Tad Mashiach. She's going to come to the true strong. Not to the area from the Moshe Rabbein who took out of the Tad Mashiach. She's not supposed to try to get as many out of the web before Mashiach gets here. We don't want to lose anyone. So we don't want to lose anyone. Like you're going to come in a moment. When you come, you're either on the right side or on the wrong side. Okay. There's no chuvah. Ramam says, once he's announced, there's no chuvah. So once he's announced, it's so clear that there's a God that there's no more Bashiro. There's no more Bashiro. There's no chuvah. It's going to happen in a moment. When that moment happens, ah, I'm sorry, I, I see who you are. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. 
Rambo says very clearly, be done before you come. You come tonight. It has to be done before you come. So, job is to try to bring as much advice from back in before you come so that they're not cut out. So, this is the time the time of the Erevah, in the time where Hashem of us, Abundant, Abundant of us, it's not your own dependence. You know, he's going to come and take back parents to their kids and the kids for parents. If they go to Chutzpah, if everything is supposed to happen, everything is happening right now. So, yes, it's tragic when a from person becomes part of the step. But there are guys that were in for step that, that, that back out. That, that, that back out. Our job is to try to do what we can. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. who stood up, stood up for Hashem, even though he wasn't liked for it. He knew he wouldn't be. And he did fight. Now they didn't hear him. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.